Gary Shotton, and today I'm going to talk about new culture. You know, my dad uh, was an amazing man, and I look back in my life and thank God for the involvement and the, the ability to look back on his life. And uh, I see some things now that I'm older, more than his age when he passed, that he did that were just very uh, educational to me. And one of those things was when I was uh, in uh, my senior year of high school, we had lived for all of our life, all of my life, in southeastern Colorado. But Dad took a leap of faith or a, a, a calculated risk and decided he would go back to his home area in Kansas and be a part owner in a feedlot. That's a cattle feeding facility. We were in the cattle business. Dad knew that from one part, but this would be a commercial feedlot. And I don't know all the details, but this was a huge culture change for Dad because Dad had been... Uh, looking back on it, Dad had been a one-man show, had been uh, his own boss, not reporting to anybody, no committees, uh, no huge uh, process in making a decision. And he decided to go back and I think was with his brothers or uh, a, a team to be part owners in this large feedlot. Well, again, I don't know all the details, but it didn't work out. So in about uh, 18 months later, uh, he did not give up the farm we had. We as boys and young men continued to farm there when dad went back and gave a lot of trust in us. And uh, But the point is his culture didn't fit there. I, I can kind of see why because he was a, a, a loan shark. He was one to make decisions not by committee. Uh, you know we've all had culture changes. I mean in our lives we uh, first day of school was a change from being with mom and dad and then we're uh, are in school that's a huge change then depending on how we were raised and whether or not we were um, a, a close family or not each time we moved from junior high to high school and high school to college you know those are changes well my next first big change though was when I took my first job a culture change for being basically working for my dad going to college I felt comfortable there and my wife and I moved to Wyoming, a, a state in the far north where it's cold. Man, I had my first job. Was that a shock? The point I'm making is I had to make an adjustment to the culture. So the culture we live in has a big part to play. And frankly, our objective in all these lessons and all what we're doing is to change the culture of developing nations to change the way they think, to look differently at the way they think and adapt not to the new world, not to the American way, but God's way of thinking about how life works and how finances work. You know, uh, this whole process comes from uh, a thought pattern that many people in developing nations believe that God wants us poor, wants us to lack, that that's somehow uh, pleasing to God, that that's somehow uh, honoring God because we're so humble that we don't have any money. Now, that's the farthest from the truth if you look at the Bible. There's no way you can come to that conclusion unless somebody teaches you that. The Bible does not talk that way. It talks about Abraham and being wealthy. It talks about uh, every man of God, every person of God, every nation of God that followed God was prosperous. So this is false teaching. But that's what we're trying to overcome in many ways, that God is not a God that wants us to be poor and barely get along. He wants us to have finances. He wants us to have enough money for us to enjoy life and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I was told that almost 50% all people in the earth live on $5.50 a day or less. That's not a very much money. 
So we have a long ways to go when we talk about living a peaceful, comfortable life like we kind of know here in the United States. It'll never be like here, but we all, or we, we, it could be like that, but it's a long jump because we could spend $5.50 on one large cup of coffee. And so we're talking about changing the way people think and how the things work. And, and, and you know, we're not, not talking about little bitty things. You know, you go to a developing nations and almost always, oh, they, they're like three hours late for some appointments. They don't call ahead. We're, we're trying to guide our, our mentors to don't be discouraged, but help them hold to a new line of new business that when you say your time is going to be a time, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the little things. I'm talking about some things that I think I see in the ability I've been able to travel some 35 nations on, uh, on in my lifetime, and in most cases out not staying at the Holiday Inn at the at the airport, but in with the people and see how people work and how people think. That's what I want to do when I travel. So there's three major things that I believe I have uh, seen that's fairly consistent with. Uh, poor mentality, the, the thinking that we've got to be poor. And uh, one of those, and all of these are parts that we, we encourage our mentors uh, to understand because our culture is different than the culture that we're talking about. And a lot of our mentors have not been in these developing nations. We're working mostly in East, East Africa and Congo. Well, I've been in the continent of Africa at least uh, uh, 12 or 15 times. And I've been in at least 20 different countries, 10 or 12 or 14, I don't have to count them up, countries of Africa. And obviously some repeatedly. I don't go every week, or every month, but I've, I've been there a number of times and I see this culture. And here's the three things I see. We ask our mentors, when they're taking and talking to a group, we have them form in groups of up to 10 or 12 people. We say it's like Jesus had his 12 apostles, so you have a home cell group or family group or church group or school group, and kind of cap it at 10 or 12 so that you can have a discussion and work through uh, the issues of business as a group. That's where you're going to get the most learned. And so when we have our Americans call into those groups on occasions, we say, don't take control. Don't take over. It's natural for an American in our culture, especially the type A's, especially the type A's, the, the leader personalities, to see a problem and then take over. Well, that's not going to help this group. Whoever's the leader needs to be in control, and we're there to help them. You see, in most countries around the world, the m number one objective is to get a job especially get a job with a non-government or organization called an NGO. And then once you have that job, never ever think about leaving that job. Well, some people are called to be administrators and technicians, but we're looking for those people that are, are, are called to be entrepreneurs and to be business people. And so uh, we want to find those people, and yet when we're in these groups, let, let them develop their skills to lead the group. Number two, don't hesitate to share your mistakes and failures. You see, when you hear someone else talking and all they talk about is how this went well and this went well, well, yeah, there's there's some uh, opportunity to share the goodness of God, but sometimes we just totally forget to talk about the failures and the near mistakes and the disasters and the heartache, the things that, that cause us to be upset and not sleep overnight. Man, if you own any business of any size, you're going to have some heartaches and you're going to have any some difficulties, even if you're running your household. So share those things because most people are afraid 
in these developing nations of ever making a mistake. They've never heard of anybody that's successful. They've never heard of their mistakes. So they, they've got to get over, overcome that, that, hey, launch out there at certain times with enough preparation, but don't be afraid of making a mistake. If you never try, you'll never succeed. You'll never make any ground. So number three, don't send money. We tell our guys, gosh, I know this is hard, because you see your, your $200 is just like, man, it's so easy to send $200 because I see that they're hungry. Well, when you get $5.50 a day, just do the math. You know, in 30 days, that's, you know, that uh, $200 is well a, a full month's salary for many people. So you're throwing things out of, out of a whack, out of, out of the natural, and we're accidentally having a culture, feeding the culture that we're looking for someone to send us money. Someone, please send me money, send me money, send me money. And we're seeing some marvelous entrepreneurs that aren't waiting for money, and God's stepping in there and just helping them and showing them they take a little step, and God takes a, a big step in their direction. They, they have a little faith, and God responds to it, just like in the Bible. So we, we have ways to support people through maybe helping with a, a little uh, Internet service or, or, or helping with a buying a, a part of a, a cell phone or something that's technical, some equipment. But by and large, we are not the financial source. We're here to teach these people how God wants to bless them, spot on, head on from God to them, nobody else involved, and once they learn the laws of God's way of doing business, they're on their way to have financial success. You know, the first level for most of these people is to have enough money to meet their household budget. We call that a lifestyle business. And out of that group, there will be a few, a few that will come on, and it's not a higher calling, it's just they're called differently to employ people. The reason we have 40, 50 percent unemployment in these developing nations is because there's not an entrepreneur that will hear God and take on the responsibilities that they're called to and employ people. I think that's part of it. Well, uh, at some point we've got to do something different. At some point we're ready to do something different and we're here to do that. Thanks for being a part of Inspiring Better Business.